It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedder from the Comment and Analysis Desk. The flow of migrants from Africa to Europe via the Mediterranean was dwarfed last year by the numbers of Middle East refugees coming through Turkey. But still, in three years, nearly half a million have arrived in Italy after being rescued from boats, and thousands have died attempting the journey, say Maggie Fick, James Politi and Duncan Robinson. The EU is intensifying efforts to tackle the causes of the crisis, but some sub-Saharan nations and aid agencies mistrust the approach. This report is narrated by Maggie. For the past seven years, Mohammed, a 32-year-old Nigerian truck driver, has loaded migrants into his Toyota Hilux pickup, taken them across the Sahara Desert, and dropped them off in Libya. From there, they have embarked on a treacherous journey across the Mediterranean Sea. As he fiddles with his smartphone and drinks a Coke in Kano, his home city in northern Nigeria and a starting point for some West African migrants, Mohammed, who has recently married, says he's about to switch careers. He wants to use his savings to open a grain trading operation, amid fears of a looming crackdown on people smuggling in neighboring Niger. Mohammed says, It's a good development in a way, because people have been traveling to their deaths. They have heard stories of greener pastures, and they have this obsession with getting to Europe at all costs. But they have been deceived, he adds. Mohammed's change of heart will be reassuring to European policymakers, who have ramped up efforts to tackle the migration crisis unfolding on their southern shores. Over the past three years, nearly half a million people, mainly from sub-Saharan Africa, have arrived in Italy after being rescued from ramshackle boats off the Libyan coast, including nearly 160,000 this year. Though fewer people are crossing the sea to Europe this year than last, the number who have died trying is higher, according to the UN. More than 200 migrants drowned in two separate shipwrecks in the Mediterranean last week, bringing the total this year to nearly 4,000 deaths, compared with 3,700 in 2015. The flow of migrants from Africa to Italy was overshadowed last year by the movement of nearly one million mostly Middle Eastern refugees through Turkey and to Central Europe, mainly Germany, along the so-called Balkans route. The flow along that path slowed after the EU mobilized 6 billion euro to secure a controversial deal with the Turkish government. But the Central Mediterranean route has once again become the principal migration route to Europe, mainly from people fleeing poverty rather than war. Arrivals in Italy have outstripped last year's total. Under pressure from Italy, which is shouldering the burden of rescuing and caring for the migrants, and Matteo Renzi, its center-left prime minister, the EU is moving to negotiate similar agreements with African nations that are the sources of immigration. Nigeria is a top priority since it is by far the main country of origin for people arriving in Italy, with nearly 34,000 having made the journey this year. Talks between Brussels and Abuja began last week. 
Paolo Magri at the Institute for the Study of International Politics in Milan says, After years of debate about migration, we are finally going beyond the tip of the iceberg, which is the emergency of rescuing people in the sea, and we are looking at its deep roots, such as underdevelopment and economic disparity. The basis of the talks is simple. Brussels will increase aid and investment in exchange for cooperation from African nations on border control and readmitting deported citizens. The hope is that fewer people will leave, those who try will be stopped, and those who arrive in Europe will be successfully returned. Latte Nudsen, a managing director at the EEAS, the EU's diplomatic service, which is overseeing the deals, says, There is a recognition of collective responsibility. It is not just an EU problem or an African problem. We cannot do it by region or nationally. At a summit in Malta last year, the EU agreed to set up an Africa trust fund with an initial 1.9 billion euro in direct assistance to African countries to help them deal with migration-related costs. This year, that sum was increased by a further 500 million euro, though so far, member states have added just over 82 million euro to the fund. In addition, the European Commission has dangled a pot of 3.4 billion euro in guarantees for private investment, backed by a further 3.4 billion euro from member states for countries willing to partner with it on immigration. That amount of money could rise as high as 88 billion euro based on optimistic assumptions of how the funds could be leveraged. But if those ambitions do not pan out, Many countries could be left with paltry funds to meet their needs and a pittance compared with what Turkey obtained. European diplomats insist that the African initiatives are not only about money, but putting cooperation on migration at the heart of diplomatic relations. Benetto della Vedova, an Italian Undersecretary of Foreign Affairs, says, The sense of this is to take the discussion to a political level and to show that we are aware that there is a mutual interest and we are ready to intervene. Otherwise, their only interest will be for people to leave, he explains. But the approach is viewed with mistrust in many African countries and among some aid agencies. Some say the payments are thinly disguised bribery and there is criticism of how migrants are treated once they arrive on the continent. At the Maltese summit, Nicozazana Delamini Zuma, chairperson of the African Union Commission, railed against, quote, de facto detention centers, end quote, being set up in Italy to process and identify arrivals, saying they violate human rights and, quote, re-victimize migrants. Dennis Toll, a scholar of African politics at the German Institute for International and Security Affairs in Berlin, says, we should not pretend there is a common interest here. What is being called cooperation by the EU is seen very differently by Africa. We saw that at Malta. Moreover, many Africans, if not their governments, see immigration as positive since it relieves social pressure by reducing the number of young people looking for work at home and delivers significant benefits through remittances. Some countries have become reliant on income from migrant trafficking business. Accepting deported citizens is seen as humiliating. But European officials are making it clear that African nations cannot afford to avoid the issue. Says a senior Italian official, It has to be clear that only through the control of migration flows can we imagine a partnership between Europe and Africa. It's not an option, it's a necessity, an absolute priority. 
Europe's focus on securing migration deals with African governments came after Turkey reached its arrangement with the EU. In exchange for stemming the flow of people across the Aegean, which peaked at 10,000 a day in October 2015, Turkey was offered everything from 6 billion euro in aid to a promise of visa-free travel in Europe for its citizens. Such rewards will not be an offer for African governments, but they have certainly taken notice and raised the price for their cooperation, even calling for a Marshall Plan for Africa. Niger said in May that it would take 1 billion euro, roughly one-eighth of its gross domestic product, for it to tackle illegal immigration, the mooted crackdown which caused Mohammed the truck driver to switch jobs. Last month, Mohamedou Isofu, president of Niger, said, We need massive support for our country. As Libya is the departure point for most migrants crossing to Italy, ideally Rome would have been able to negotiate a deal with Tripoli to stem migrant flows, as happened during the days of Muammar Gaddafi's rule. Silvio Berlusconi, former Italian prime minister, in 2008 signed an agreement whereby Italy would pay 5 billion euro over 25 years in compensation for its colonial rule of the North African country in the early 20th century, partly in exchange for a crackdown on migrant smuggling. But since Gaddafi was ousted from power in 2011, the country has been ravaged by civil war, creating a political and security vacuum that allowed human traffickers to thrive. The fighting has subsided and a government of national unity has been formed, but people smugglers remain in control of key parts of the Libyan coastline. This means that the EU is left to negotiate with more than a dozen counterparts. Some are democracies, while others, namely Eritrea, are authoritarian regimes. Some are transit countries for migrants, while others are sources of migration. And some have effective central governments, while others are fragmented and incapable of implementing the most basic border controls. Nevertheless, Brussels is prioritizing agreements with five key countries. Nigeria, Niger, Mali, Senegal, and Ethiopia. According to Elizabeth Collette, Director of Migration Policy Institute in Europe, they are a combination of the strategically important and the low-hanging fruit. Angela Merkel, German Chancellor, visited Niger, Mali, and Ethiopia last month to emphasize the economic opportunity that was at their fingertips if they accepted the EU's offer. On the eve of the trip, Ms. Merkel said, we should try to aim for a kind of balance, such that the first thing for young Africans when they get a smartphone in their hands isn't, I have to go where I see a better world, but rather that they live in a country in which things are at least getting better step by step. Jeffrey Onyema, the Nigerian foreign minister, emphasized that it is his government's responsibility, not Europe's, to, quote, obviate the need for our citizens to make such a perilous journey. The country is focused on, quote, training non-graduates and young people to enable them to integrate economically instead of working abroad, he says. But Mr. Onyema is pleased, he adds, that the Europeans are looking in the same direction, adding that Abuja welcomes as much investment as possible. In a further sign the EU is trying to make good on its pledge, the bloc is hosting an investor forum this week in Lagos, Nigeria's commercial capital. But one European diplomat in Nigeria warns that the appetite for the moment is not there in terms of large-scale private European investment in the country, at least not until all the guarantees are in place. And ISPI's Mr. Magri worries that the amount of money envisioned in the EU-Africa talks may fail to live up to expectations. Even if a deal is reached, he says, it may not remove incentives for would-be migrants.
At the Sicilian port of Trapani last week, Mary Pullen, a 20-year-old aspiring doctor, had just arrived after a two-month journey from Lagos. She has a simple explanation for why so many of her compatriots make the journey and how far the EU may be from its goal of limiting migration. She says, there's so much suffering, there's no work. As for Mohammed, he says everyone in Kano knows how to get to Europe. Go to the Kofar Rua bus park, hop on a shared minivan to the Niger border, cross with a national ID card or passport, and disappear northward on a sturdy lorry bound for the Saharan city of Agadez, where there are scores of options for reaching Libya, like the Toyota Hilux truck offered by him and his colleagues for 50,000 naira, about $158. Mohammed believes that once he leaves the trade, he will easily be able to sell his truck to another smuggler, Ominously for the EU's hopes that the Africa migration talks will succeed, he says demand is bound to remain high from people disappointed by a lack of opportunity at home. He says, I see it in their faces. They are determined. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.